0: Welcome back, everybody, to another rambling about rivers podcast. And it's uh, it's uh, great to uh, be back on the podcast train, uh, do some more podcasts. Uh, and today we've got a really, really special podcast. Actually, I think this is really what the Rivers Trust about is about community led initiatives. Uh, so who have we got today, Jane?
1: Well today's podcast actually follows on from the podcast we did with John Bryden from Thames 21 the other week, um or month now, uh we which was all about wetlands. Today's podcast was with Alison who's from the Pims Brookers group, who are a group of residents from Enfield working together to restore the Pims Brook and the Salmons Brook, um which are both tributaries of the River Lee.
0: Nice. So they're working in conjunction with obviously Thames 21 Um, and they've got, I mean, they've got a pretty fascinating story. So without further ado, let's jump on and uh, have a chat to Alison.
1: Welcome Alison thank you for joining us today it's really great to be speaking to you. I understand that you're part of the PIMS Brookers which is over in, in Enfield and um, I'd love to hear more about that group and what prompted you to to, to set up the group.
2: Okay yeah thank you and hello. Um, so a group of us you know we didn't know each other beforehand joined uh a project that had been put together by Thames 21 and I believe it was called a community modeling project and the idea really was that as members of the community we could get to know our local river which is the Pims Brook and its catchment um, which we did mainly by walking it and essentially identified sites along its course where wetlands could be constructed. And as I'm sure most listeners to this podcast know, the thing about wetlands is that the plants and reeds filter the pollutants that enter the river completely naturally, and this improves the water quality. And this is really important on the Pimpsbrook, because like the River Lee, which it runs into, it's one of the most polluted rivers in the UK. And wetlands also do all kinds of other things like help stop flooding and improve biodiversity and give us all nice places to go and spend time. So we got to know the river, and we got to know the river by walking it. And um, one thing I want to say is that walking the river is really powerful, it's a really powerful thing to do. The Brook runs from an angling lake in outer north London, which is very sort of leafy. It's it's in in a piece of woodland, actually. And then it runs through some barnet suburbs, through some leafy green parks, and then finally, alongside the North Circular Road, which is one of London's main roads for quite a long time, and dives underground. So it's underground for about a mile, and then it pops up next to Edmonton Ikea, And by this time, it's deep in a concrete culvert and fenced off. And it runs through Tottenham marshes to join the River Lee at Tottenham Hale. It's about 13 miles long, this river. And the transformation happens quite quickly from sort of suburbanised river to acute urban degradation. It's dramatic and it's poignant. And once we'd seen that, and we'd got to know the river. We couldn't ignore it anymore. That's what we felt. It's like getting to know a person, but one who can't speak. And we we kind of felt we had to be advocates for that river. So we got to know the river first, and we then used a computer program called INCA, which has been developed by Oxford University. And on it, we modeled the improvement in water quality of constructing wetlands along the catchment and wetlands in the sites that we'd identified. And we found out that by constructing 29 wetlands in the catchments of the Pims and Salmon's brooks, we could improve the water quality of the Pims brook by 28%, which means that the Pims brook would no longer be one of the most polluted rivers in the United Kingdom, and its water quality would be good, good enough for aquatic life to thrive. And that was quite, that was quite stunning. So once we'd established that and got to know the river, we were basically hooked. We were committed to achieving the aims that we'd set out to, to find out about. We wanted to improve the river. And so we formed a community group, which we called the Pim's Brookers, you know, does what it says on the tin. And I think it was that moment of realizing that we weren't being invited to do something to you know, quite often you'll get involved in a project and it will be testing water quality in a stretch of river in your local park or a bit of litter picking. But this wasn't like that. This was about the health of the whole river. And it was that ambition and that vision that we could really make a difference over the long term and it would take a really long time that made us so excited about it.
1: That's lovely. Yeah, that sounds great. So 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 basically you got involved from you got passionate about the river and the health of the river just from walking next to it. Is that the case?
2: Yeah. Walking, walking, we walked the whole river. In fact, it took, we were going to do it in one day, but it took us two days. It's 13 miles and we were a curious group. So we kept stopping to look at things and we walked it with someone from Thames 21 called Rosie Nelson. And she was able to tell us about a lot of the features that we saw and what showed you know aspects of a healthy river which you know there is this amazing thing that rivers do where they keep trying to make themselves healthy again regardless of what we do to them and then aspects of an unhealthy river you know straight concrete channels there's a lot of big concrete engineering and weirs it's very over-engineered lots of sewage going in lots of road runoff going in um so so we and and then the sort of um uh, you know plants that were around and wildlife was that we're around we sort of looked and and learned a lot about that
1: and did you have much to do with the river before this or anything like that were you was or was it a completely new experience for you was it something you didn't realize you were interested in until you took you you went out with this group so i'd always i'd always noticed the
2: river in our local park but um and i always felt sorry for it you know (laughs) It, it it it's a nice park actually arno's park is my local park it's very green it's got some established woodland. There's some really nice features about it. And the rivers, you know, it's got, it's got some pretty aspects. There's some sort of ornamental weirs and things that people value quite a lot in it. Um, but it does smell dank, you know, and I used to feel sorry for it a bit, really. But I hadn't really thought about it that deeply. Um, and then I, I was also involved in um, London National Park City. Uh, campaign I was campaigning to make London a National Park City and um, I think I went to a local meeting to talk to local residents about the London National Park City idea and I met someone from Thames 21 I met John Bryden actually and he was giving a talk about Enfields rivers and I thought oh the river in the park so I went up to him afterwards to, to talk to him about the Pimsbrook and he said oh I think there's a project you might be interested in
0: Amazing. But I think what's really interesting about what, you, what you've just, ex- uh, um, you know, described there is actually the, the r- a real fundamental part of this is just taking the time to explain the river, the benefits. And actually, you know, I think people just become more conscious of it and actually really begin to appreciate it. And I think that's really important, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. The more you understand, the better you understand it, well, the richer your experiences of the river, really.
0: So, so how many people are involved currently? Is, that, is, is, is it grown or is it growing? Yeah,
2: it has grown. We've probably got about 10 people who regularly come to our meetings and that's sort of the really active core people. Um, and we now run sort of river clean-up activities and, you know, planting and vegetation management and stuff. We've trained to do that ourselves. And we get, uh, well, before the current restrictions, we'd get quite a lot of people coming along to those, you know, maybe 20. Um, and so lots of people are doing that and we've also set up a group on Facebook so if anyone's interested in what we do and um, you can find us our Facebook group and um, I think that's probably got about 250 members now so we're growing very quickly there's there's real interest locally
0: wow that's, that's amazing and do, do you think have you have you noticed that people are more consciously aware of the environment um, we really we we've, we've done a couple of uh, you know we've done a couple of podcasts about you know reflecting on the pandemic and the access to blue and green spaces. Do you think people are becoming more aware and kind of appreciate it? Have you have you noticed that?
2: Oh, I think so. I mean, we've all been so we've needed it so much, haven't we, this year during the restrictions? Um, and I think people have people have been posting photographs. You know, if they've seen a heron or I think there's been a much more intense appreciation of these local spaces and, you know, I'm really hoping we can build on that and help people to understand how precious they are and how much looking after they need.
0: Amazing, amazing, that's, awesome. that's really inspiring. So, I mean, so just take us back. So you you, you walked this, um you walked the length of the river uh, and then you, you went along and helped uh, identify where good, good places are for these wetlands, is that great?
2: So we identified potential sites for wetlands, but then after that, it's been a process of um, you know, working with the councils to kind of sit, see, it, and, and it's quite opportunistic work, I think, you know, which, which one to do first and in what order and how to line the funding up and that kind of thing. But we don't do that. We just um, sort of try and pursue the, the principle Um, of installing the wetlands
1: yeah and so how many have come to life that you that you identify from that first stage of identifying those wetland spaces
2: well you know I said it's going to be a long process (laughs) so far um the the only one that's that's actually happened is the one in Brimfield Park which I think you talked about in a recent um podcast but we are um constantly talking to local authorities about what could be next and Enfield Council which is really far sighted and ambitious about its rivers really a joy to work with are currently consulting on two new potential sites um, in the Pimsbrook catchment and one of them is right next to the North Circular Road so that's that's really exciting Um, yeah it's 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 a long-term process and we'd love to talk to the um, other two councils along the the rivers course, uh, Barnet and Haringey, um, about potential sites too.
0: Amazing. Do you, and do you think kind of the the, the local council has, has been inspired by this approach? Do you, do you think they kind of un, understand that actually, you know, it's much much more than just improving the environment, improving the the river. It's actually about engaging. The community providing green space and all the other great benefits that this project is delivering that might you know not have been realized at the outset?
2: Oh absolutely I mean I think Enfield council who, who you know did the Broomfield wetlands um, totally understands that yeah totally understands the multiple benefits.
1: So you just need the other councils to, to go and visit Broomfield Park and, and get inspired then I guess?
2: Yes, yeah, so well, we're just trying to have conversations with them about it, really. <laughs> you know, we want them to see what the benefits
0: are. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a really strong message coming from a community, isn't it? You know, it's it's community led. It's, you know, that's driving this, and I think that's that, that's really powerful. So, really powerful message.
1: So, Broomfield Park, you you're kind of part of that, and so what? What sort of? I think that was that was already initiated by another group was it and you guys helped and and, and joined
2: yeah so the brimfield park wetlands are in brimfield park and um, the friends of brimfield park had been really supportive of the idea of the wetlands so thames 21 had already been speaking to them um, and they were fantastically supportive of the idea Um, But what happened is that the wetlands was refused planning permission by Enfield Council's planning committee. And the reason it was refused is because the park is basically the grounds of a former great house called Brimfield House, which burnt down about 30 years ago, I think. And that means that English Heritage is one of the stakeholders in decisions around the park. And they wanted to preserve the kind of great house feel of the park, which has sort of ornamental gardens and a walled garden and ornamental ponds and so forth. Um, So that was a real blow because we could see not only that it was, as we saw it, a perfect place for wetland, but also we could show evidence of how it would improve the ecological health of the Pims Brook, which is just further downhill so the, the hidden river, which is really now a, a rainwater drain, which used to run under the park, now runs and runs, you know, drains into the Pims Brook. Um, and also we could see that if you went further back in history, you know, further back than before the Great House, that this would have actually been a wet marshy hillside. <laughs>
0: It's, it's almost like what, what point in history do we want to kind of represent I think it's really interesting, isn't it? I think this challenge often comes up with, you know, um, archaeology and also kind of history and, you know, all all of that that goes along with it. And it, it's, it's really tricky, but did, did is there, did you, is there a way you came, overcame that or
2: well what we did was um, we walk the Pimsbrook once a year or we walk it regularly in fact we're going to do it a couple of times this year just to make sure it's still there and we all really enjoy it and it's it's kind of us looking after the river really and we had a walk planned along the entire Pimsbrook with some of the friends of and the, some of the friends of Broomfield Park joined us um, so when we came to the park we stopped and and talked about the wetlands you know we were standing on this grassy piece of hillside we talked about the wetlands and the decision that had been made and what the wetlands would do and what they would look like and so everyone who was on our walk wrote to their local councillors and we had one very supportive local councillor and actually at the next planning meeting the decision was overturned so work could start
1: Mm. The power of the people and the people's voice. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, we also helped to plant the wetlands. Yeah. Um, and we put waders on and um, went out into the middle of the pond, you know, planted the coir mats of reeds by staking them to the bottom of the pond. Um, and I think there were two community planting events and they were brilliant. Everyone mucking in, literally mucking and getting all those water plants dug in.
1: Yeah, we've got some incredible photographs actually of, of some of the volunteers taking part and, and planting in the, those mats. And um it was amazing to see uh, when we were down there photographing. Um just and and also just so lovely to see so many people coming out to to do that and, and to take part.
0: Was that the first time some 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 of those people have ever kind of planted or been involved with those kind of activities before Jean?
2: I mean it's the first time I've put waders on and gone into a pond and staked koi mats of reeds down into a pond.
1: Are you hooked now? Are you hooked? Do you want to just do it. it all the time.
2: I love it. I <laughs> it. And when I walk past the wetlands now, I think, i planted those.
1: <laughs> oh, that must be so good. Yeah. I, I've never put on waders, I have to admit. I know I'm from the Rivers Trust, but I'm still yet to put on a pair of waders. Jane, you've got to get your waders on. I know, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We we had a great, great situation where um, actually when I first started, a year seven group, a secondary school uh, group planted some trees and they actually came to visit the trees, uh, you know, in there, I think, yeah, five years later when they were just about to leave school and obviously their trees had grown up a lot and I think it's just, it's really nice to see, see it all establish and you know, feel like you've contributed something and there, yeah, I think that's really, another really powerful message, isn't it, and hopefully as as it's an open public park is actually, you can see its progression over time, which is really rewarding.
1: Absolutely. I guess it gives you a bit of ownership over it as well. In a way, if you've helped plant that, then you will feel kind of a bit more precious about it. You know, you'll feel a bit more protective of it.
2: I think that's really true, but also I think it goes even deeper than that, which is I think it enhances your sense of belonging and your sense of place. And those are things that particularly in large cities like London are really precious.
1: It's almost rare. You just don't get that anymore. You don't get that sense of belonging or sense of community in, in a lot of big cities. I mean, I live in Manchester and it's, you know, I barely, sometimes I barely speak to my neighbors. You know, it's that kind of world now. And so that bringing it right back to that is really important. And that's just such a lovely way to put it. So, so tell us what the space looks like now. I'm dying to know.
2: Okay, so it was <laughs> it was just a, a grassy hillside. There are some beautiful mature trees there. I mean, really gorgeous. But the site was a, a, a sort of gentle slope with a massive manhole cover, and that was the only thing that gave any clue that there was water under there. Um, and now it's two large ponds lush with reeds and willow herb and osiers and watermint and marshmallow golds and teeming with coots and ducks and herons. I mean, it's completely different. And people who felt quite sort of unsure about the wetlands, you know, people don't like change on their local parks, which is a good sign. It means they value them. are just can't believe how lovely it is. People go and visit it. They'll go for a walk around the wetlands. There are some stepping stones. You can cross them. And um, a few weeks ago on one of my walks, I saw a little boy and he must, he was really young. He must've been about three or four and he was fishing for tiddlers with his net standing on the stepping stones. And I just thought, well, that's it. That's amazing. That's what you want.
1: Yeah. That's really um, cute. Yeah. That's yeah. lovely. Um, and I guess the, wild I mean, the, we you, we don't put the wildlife there. The wildlife just, appears doesn't it you create these spaces and then wildlife follows
0: right so oh this has been super super inspiring hopefully people listen to this are going oh maybe i can set up my own community group or develop that would there be any advice that you would give to people out there thinking about either wanting to set their own community group or just getting involved
2: i mean i would say go for it if someone had said to me five years ago Okay in five years time you're going to be running a community group about the river and doing loads of volunteering and running litter picks and planting and stuff I'd have said to them oh don't be so ridiculous I haven't got time <laughs> I'm far too busy um I would say absolutely go for it it's amazing um we started very small but I think if you're enthusiastic that's contagious and people get involved they 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 kind of you know, you bring them along with you really. So long as you're enjoying what you do, then the other stuff follows. Um, I would also say keep positive. Um, It can be frustrating working with partners on the same old issues. But the thing is that rivers don't go anywhere. They don't go away. Rivers don't go away, local authorities don't go away, and all the agencies you have to work with don't go away so local you know um environment agency or whatever so and and it can be frustrating you know there's a a bit in the river where where sewage keeps coming in and so forth but actually it's really important to stay positive and constructive and i think um it, it would be easy to fall into the trap of being relentlessly negative or critical or blaming or whatever and then no one wants to work with you really so keep it positive
0: absolutely and i think you know I really like that point you made about being enthusiastic. I mean, I think that's the principle of my life, really, is over enthusiasm. <laughs> but you know, I think I definitely I totally agree. Do you know what I mean? It makes it such a nicer place. Yeah. You know, I think we get all get in this trap of the blame game. Yeah. There's always
2: especially at the moment. There's so much negative stuff so, going on that just don't this is going, not gonna be a space for that stuff. This is gonna be the stuff Absolutely. about you know oh. what we do. I mean, I'm so good. I would also say um. And it's linked to this, which is, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, I make mistakes all the time. I you know, I call things the wrong name or, I don't know, we're all learning. And actually, that's one of the brilliant things about getting involved in something like this is how much you learn. Um, you're learning all the time. And that's one of the joys is working with experts and understanding how things work.
0: I wish you could see my face right now. I'm just going, hallelujah, this is this is exactly oh this is brilliant absolutely couldn't agree more
2: the other thing i'd like to say is and it goes along with being positive is be welcoming um, we've got all kinds of different kinds of people in our group and that's what makes it so fun and so um, we try and sort of embrace the things that people are interested in doing within the group um, and it actually feels really powerful to bring different kinds of people together to work on something together so uh, be open to including all kinds of different people and the the final piece of advice I would give is um, keep admin to a minimum
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean I think everyone could do with a bit of that couldn't they in any job in any anything
2: (laughs) we're volunteers you know we we want to make some bullet points if we have a meeting but we're not going to be there's no need just keep admin to a minimum unless you get get someone in the group who loves that stuff in which case Go for it! <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so what then? What, what are the next plans for the the and what does the future look like?
2: Okay, so um, I don't know where to start. Really, we've got we're doing loads. Basically, we've got loads on. Um, so one thing that happened um, a while back is that we became aware of a big new housing development called Meridian Water, which is at the downstream end of Pimsbrook. Uh, just before the river crosses Tottenham Marshes. And we asked to meet them. Um, And they told us that they wanted to make the Meridian Water housing development the greenest housing development in London. Oh, wow. So, yes. So that was a brilliant opening for us. And we asked them what they were going to do, you know, for the river. Um, And we pushed for improvements on the river because at that point the river is, you know it's it's highly degraded it's been running along a major road for a few miles and all kinds of pollution that has entered that river and it's deep in a concrete culvert it, It's sort of you couldn't get a more urban river really and we told the developers that it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to restore and to naturalize the river we told them about our project And we showed them that we were serious about it, really. And we asked them to naturalise the river, to take it out of straight concrete and put it in a natural meandering bed. Um, And that's what they've agreed to do. So it will be naturalised in meanders going through a public park so that residents of the new development can get down to the river and enjoy it.
1: Oh, wow. So that's actually happening now yes oh gosh i bet they i bet they just were just like oh we're we going to be a gre- the greenest development i bet they were just thinking insulation i bet they didn't think that this was going to happen <laughs> No, I think, I think they were really serious about their parks
2: and the rivers but i think um it's difficult isn't it in a heavily urbanized area i think the challenges uh, you know rivers do present a challenge and the thing is to change that thinking and turn it into an opportunity and I, I'm sure developers are thinking about all kinds of things like flood risk and there's also the cost you know it takes something out of concrete and make sure it's flood safe and looks natural I'm sure there's a cost implication but you also have to think about what kind of life quality there's going to be for for residents when they do move in so and I because this is this was you know the, the council is working closely with the developers so Enfield council is is acting as the developer as far as I understand it. So I think they kind of, they were
1: open to the ideas, but we just kind of pushed them over the, over the line or something like that. That's, that's an amazing achievement. That's well done, that's so
0: good. I think just to pick up on your, the valid point you made there is, you know, an opportunity, you know, there is some new legislation coming in around biodiversity, uh, net gain. But I think you know it's, you know I think some developers might see that as a negative thing, but look imagine what opportunities it could provide and actually actually opportunities for those people that are going to live in those areas and what you could actually do with that legislation to make such a better place for people to live.
2: We will be working with um, Meridian Water and Denver Council to kind of get local communities so people who live near that housing development that's not yet complete um, involved in the rivers. Um, and also, new residents as they come in, so that we're kind of trying to set a river culture right from the start in that new, you know, growing community. So that's really exciting. So, we'll be doing sort of next year. Well, we might be doing all kinds of things, but for example, canoe litter picks on the River Lee, which is just nearby. Or, um, or I've got all kinds of walks and talks and ideas in my head about what we might do. So,
1: that'll be really fun. Um, COVID's not going to hold you back on that, or is it?
2: Well, it, we. We obviously have to follow COVID restrictions with whatever we do. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and several of us have trained now with Thames 21. Thames 21 has a training course where you can train to um, lead action on healthy rivers, I think it's called. And what it means is that we can we can take groups out to do things like litter picks and in-channel litter picks and reed planting or whatever.
1: Um, Yeah, because it is quite a complex process isn't it you can't just you can't just go out and you know set up a group and go out and it's a bit different to litter picking in the street isn't it because there's a bit more more danger involved and
2: yeah you have to get your you have to know your risk management but when it comes to things like so what we're finding in one of our local parks is that there are some people who are really keen to get involved and really gung-ho about clearing blockages out of the river gotta clear the blockages and And actually, there are some decisions to make about one of our members who's gone on Thames 21's natural flood management course. So he knows how to make those decisions about, well, actually, that's a blockage that might be quite good. You know, you can just leave some of them in. They're quite healthy. Mm. Um, So that's that's those are the kinds of decisions that the training helps us to make. And obviously this year, for most of the year, we haven't been able to get out and about doing that kind of thing. And now that uh, we are able to, we are being really cautious and going out in groups of six, or in um, you know slightly larger groups, but separated into two work groups and taking all the precautions for COVID nineteen and that kind of stuff. So we do know how to do that safely. Um, Yeah. So we are going back out onto the river now, and I have to say that was a huge moment this year when we did our first. Group of six, litter pick again. Going back out there, doing what we want to do on the river. It was amazing.
0: That sounds awesome.
1: So we have one final question for you, Alison. And that is Dan's favourite question. So I'll hand over to Dan.
0: It's my favourite question. Do you have a favourite river?
2: I do have a favourite river, but it's quite a long answer. (laughs) Go for it. Okay, so I mean... I'm going to run through my... Okay, so one of my favourite rivers is the Thames because it's so majestic and full of history. And I can't ignore the Lee because it's such an amazing way to walk into London through London's kind of industrial history and it's so um, evocative. Of course, there's the Pimsbrook um, because of its poignant journey from you know semi-rural leafiness to urban degradation. How can you not be moved by that journey? That's the Pimsbrook. I really love the River Bollin because when I was a child, I used to play in it. Um, We lived near the Bollin for a couple of years in my childhood and we used to, as children, go paddling and swimming and collect things out of it and make dens next to it and make boats and sail them down the river and sit on the pipes that went across the river. And I just think that kind of freedom to roam and to play was really important and powerful. And in a way, that's what I want children to be able to do. Um, That's kind of my ambition for rivers. But my favourite river is a river called Iwasu Niro. And it's in Laikipia in northern Kenya. Yeah. And it's um, one of those meandering brown African rivers. And the bit I know runs through a semi-arid plain with big flat rocks and dry thorny scrub. And once in a while, on one of the meanders, there'll be a huge fig tree or a raffia palm. And the thing about that river, though, is that at night, it's noisy. It's noisy. The air is teeming with the sounds of birds and insects and animals who are coming down to the river to drink. You can hear them grunt and squeal. It comes to life at night. It's noisy. And that, to me, is what a river should be like.
0: So I think we've successfully so far asked this question. Nobody's ever actually um, given us one answer. So
2: yeah, I think it's like you—you you can't have a favourite river, can you? There's so many amazing
0: ones. So, oh, amazing! Oh, thanks so much for taking the time. It's been—it's oh, been fantastic. And I mean, for me, that this is why I work for the Rivers Trust to uh, hear about projects like this and, you know, working this movement. So thanks so much and. Thank you for all the work that you've done and uh, the people that you're bringing along with you. So it's, it's really inspiring and uh, keep keep up the good work.
2: Thank you.
1: If you are a community group that's been involved then do get in touch with us uh info at the and we'd love to lo- love to hear from you
0: so uh today's uh, podcast has been very kindly sponsored by coca-cola um and
1: their replenish project uh which was which was uh, a major part of um the Broomfield Park wetland actually
0: make sure you leave a review and hopefully join us next time tell your friends tell your family tell your mum tell your grandma about this podcast and we'll see you next time